0: Ross Tucker Football Podcast it is a Wisdom Wednesday presented by DraftKings, America's number one rated sports book app. And if you are watching on YouTube, I have to lean up a little bit. I got my DraftKings shirt on today. Love the DraftKings sports back. Love when you guys throw the code Ross in before you make your bets. By the way, today's wisdom coming from Jim Nagy from... The Senior Bowl, the executive director, absolutely an awesome, awesome guy to talk to. You want to talk about imparting wisdom? This is his time here. Well, this and late January, when they run the Senior Bowl, are his times to absolutely shine. We'll get to Jim in just a minute. You can check him out on Twitter, at Nagy underscore S.B., We'll have a spread the word winner tomorrow with Greg Cosell at Ross Tucker NFL at Ross Tucker pot sponsor confirmation email winner tomorrow and the YouTube shout out winner YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. We've got some stuff to get to a little bit later with some retirements, Alex Smith, Jordan Reed, but right now it's big show time. The big show. All right. This, you know, it's so funny, Jim. I was just thinking about, if you look in my background, okay, I've got all the helmets of the teams I played for. I think, Jim, you were with me for three, three of the four helmets or three of the five helmets. Both of those Washington helmets. Although I don't know if you were there in 2002 or not. And then certainly the Patriots again in 5 06. Yeah,
1: I was there in Washington uh, when you came out. And I was in New England when you came there as well. I remember I remember actually speaking with you in and then building in New England a couple times.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I've, I've told the story when you've been on before, and, and Jim's been on the College Draft podcast as well. Uh, but you were the first person that ever told me about profootballtalk.com. That was <laughs> like 2006. I had never heard of it, and you told me about it. Before we get into this time of year and the draft stuff, um, mm-hmm. you're killing it, man. I mean, you've done an unbelievable job with the Senior Bowl. Kudos to you and the Senior Bowl staff. For getting that game played, getting everything you got done when everyone, every, all the other ones just kind of canceled. And then obviously all the stuff you're doing on ESPN now. Really, really cool to see you flourishing in your multi-roles. And it seems like you're liking it.
1: Yeah, it's it's been a nice change, Ross. I mean, this has been a challenge here at the Senior Bowl. Uh, really made the jump from the NFL to the Senior Bowl. It's a family decision. We just happened to be living in Mobile, Alabama for, the, for 13 years when this job came open. And uh, son's getting to play high school sports now. My daughter's, you know, growing up faster than I wish she was. And this was, this was an opportunity to be around more. You know, when you're on the Road Scout, you're gone 175, 200 nights a year. Um, and this, this job was just, it came along at the right time. I feel very blessed that, they, that I was their guy, that they, that, they, uh, that they picked me. And it's been a fun, really, three years. It's been a fun three years. It's been a blast. Yeah, well, um, you've done an
0: unbelievable job with it. Hard to believe it's been three years already, by the way. And I'm sure this year was the most challenging. But you also have how many years of experience with what teams as a scout, Jim?
1: Uh, I was in the league 18 years. So did an internship year in Green Bay in 96, um, the the Super Bowl year there. So got really fortunate to be around a great team and see how, how that team was built and what made that team great. Then went to Washington um, when you were there. And from there, I went to New England. I had a nice long run in New England for seven years. Um, Then went to Kansas City with Scott Pioli. Uh, I got a really good experience there. Kind of, you know, promotion kind of got me all over the country, traveling all around the country, seeing players. And then it didn't work out, which it it doesn't always work out in football. Uh, We didn't win enough games. So, And then ended up my last five years in Seattle. and, And again, got to be around another Super Bowl team. So it's great experience like seeing, and they were all different, you know, that Packers team, the, the Patriots team, the Seahawks team, very different ways of, of team building in the three places, uh, place value on very different things when it comes to players and their makeups and what they're looking for. So um, really valuable experience. And then coming here to the Senior Bowl, like I said, the uh, last three years.
0: So I think that's interesting. This is, see, this is what I love about you is like, I got a bunch of questions for you, but that is interesting because you've been a part of three different Super Bowl franchises, but you said that what they value, how they build it, is very, very different. Can you expound upon that a little bit? Because I do think at times, you know, there's a narrative in the media that, like, this is the way you win. Like, this is the right way to do things. But it sounds like those teams all – obviously did the right things to win the Super Bowl, but did it differently. How were they different?
1: Well, I think Green Bay's really unique. Um just with the with you know publicly owned team, n- not an owner. Um you're out there, it's kind of Green Bay's kind of an outpost. Um so and that was when Reggie White was, you know, Reggie White was the the huge first free agent signing in the in the history of the league. He really kind of changed the narrative about going and playing in Green Bay and then obviously Favre coming in um, but it was a really tight knit group of guys, you know. It, you just, it's a very small town, Green Bay. I mean, you're talking about a population, I believe, of less than 200,000 people. You're just driving around. There's no skyline. There's no big buildings, and then there's just this huge stadium that pops up out of a neighborhood, which is, which is crazy. I know you've you've played there, Ross, but um, so that's just unique how you need to put that football team together because they spend a lot of time together, uh, more so probably than the other teams I worked at. And then, you know, being a being a part of the Super Bowl a few years back in Seattle when we played New England, it was just, it, w- it was very interesting because you couldn't go, you couldn't come at it from two polar opposite um, ways of, of building a football team. You know, from how the scouting department's structured and, and different values they place and just the feel of the building and the culture. Um, you know, New England's very buttoned up and it's very businesslike and, and straightforward. Um, and Seattle's just kind of, uh, controlled chaos it's a blast you know I mean Pete Carroll's riding down the hallways on scooters and um there's music blasting out of every office and it's just uh it's just there, there's we could we could do a whole show on this we could do a couple hours on this but but yeah very different ways like you said there's not one cookie-cutter way they obviously all work I mean Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll were the tone setters of those two programs. And, and the, the programs really took on their personalities. And you can't say one's better than the other because they've both, they've both gotten great results. All
0: right. So let's get into the draft, Jim, because you're obviously all over it. What are teams doing right now? We are eight days away from the first round of the NFL draft. What are the teams doing right now? They're really wrapping
1: everything up, Ross. Um, you know, this time of year, you, you've, you've either met in December or February or both, and then you come back in in April and you're really trying to tie up all the things that you heard from the pro day circuit. You know, so there's a lot of – you have the floor again as a scout to talk about things you heard at the pro day, interactions you had with the player, you observed, um, talk about his workout, you know, did he test as well as we thought, maybe not as well, reconcile that with what you saw on the tape. Um, and what happens inevitably uh, in every draft room is there's clusters of players, you know, at every position group. So there's there's a cluster of five offensive linemen, you know, that are all graded very, very similarly. And then the GM will just dispatch a group of scouts and coaches together and be like, hey, guys, go watch those five guys. You know, don't come back into the room until you guys figure them out and have a consensus of where they stack. Um, and if that group can't work through it, then you work through it as a bigger group. But So there's a lot of that stuff being done. I think uh, now they're, they're really talking through strategy, um, the, especially the upper level guys, the GM, the director level guys are going through strategy about, you know, where do we address certain position groups? You're going through depth of each position. You know, do we need to take a receiver up this high when we know we can get one down here? That's um, a, a similar player. So a lot of strategizing. Um, I think, a lot, again, on the director level, you're reaching out to a lot of other teams and having those trade scenario discussions about, hey, will you be willing to move off here if your guy's not there? You know, we'd like to move. Um, you really got to lay the groundwork for those draft day trades right now. And then the scouts are all reaching out to players. Um, and this is going to be a crazy year for undrafted free agency. That is complete chaos every year. Um, there's no way around it. We, you know, some teams have streamlined it a little better than others, but it it, it gets hairy. It's like kind of the – The NFL's version of Wall Street, you know, there after the draft, that that hour after the draft is insane. Um, But in this year, especially, you know, I think the word got out. Kaylin Kaler did a great piece um, that, that she posted on Twitter this week, and it was about how many players have signed with agents this year. And right now we're a little under 700, whereas the last two years we're like 1800, 1900, which tells you that pool of undrafted rookies is so much smaller um, so these scouts are on the phone with these guys and really trying to recruit and connect and again, lay the groundwork for, Hey man, we've got a, a late draftable grade on you, but if it doesn't happen, it's out of my control. We might have other needs there late in the draft. If we don't pick you, it doesn't mean we don't like you. Uh, we really want you to be a, a Patriot or a Seahawk or, or a Packer. Um, but so again, that's, that's a lot of what the scouts are doing right now is really trying to connect with these, uh, these later round picks and free agents.
0: I don't understand the 700 compared to 1,800 thing. Where do, where, 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 how, why is that the case?
1: Because so many guys opted back in, Ross. Um, they're taking advantage of that extra NCAA year that was granted because of COVID. So next year's – and it's going to have a trickle-down effect. You know, like next year's class is going to be bloated um, the year after. I mean, we're talking probably to 2024, 2025. Um, the draft is going to feel the effects of this past year with COVID.
0: Got it. So that many guys are taking advantage of their extra year. You know, what I've noticed is guys that in other years would have uh, gone pro, they are transfer portaling it, going somewhere else, you know, for the last year to see what they can do there. You know, gosh, there's so many things here. So you mentioned the complexities with the process this year. It's been documented a lot. Uh what are they Jim and are they as big a deal as all of the people will make it out to be or is it a little bit overblown?
1: Um no it's it's been a challenging year on these guys for sure. Um you know last year everyone thinks last year was was impacted by COVID because we all sat around and watched the virtual draft on TV. But what people lose sight of scouts and in, in, scouts were on the road last fall, the fall of 2019, they were in the buildings every day. They were getting real information. Um, and this year has been totally different. You know, they were able to go to games on Saturdays, but not be on the field. I mean, it's literally go to the game, sit in the stands or the press box and leave the stadium. So they couldn't they couldn't be in the buildings. The schools were, were great about setting up Zoom calls with everyone on their staff mean, um, they were gracious enough with, with our senior bowl staff of letting us on those zoom calls as well. So we were, we, you know, we were in on all those conversations and it, as good a job as the schools did, the information was still pretty vanilla, right? I mean, we're all, we're all human. I mean, if you were the offensive line coach, um, wouldn't you be a little more forthcoming if you had a relationship with a scout for the past 20 years and he came into your office and shut the door and it was just you and him talking. I mean, that's, that's what the teams are missing out on rather than being on a zoom with 80 dudes. Um, So, so what they're really trying to do right now is is get a handle on who these guys are as people. They had more time to watch tape because they weren't crisscrossing the country. They weren't, they weren't burning six hours a night driving from one school to another. So in terms of tape and report writing, they had plenty of time, but it's just, it's getting to know these guys. And that's by far the hardest part of the process. I think tape is the easiest, easiest part of it, you know, after you've done it a long time but it's really figuring out these guys as people and what makes them tick and what they're going to be with more money and more time. I mean, all those different factors. So that's why the Senior Bowl, um, that was a huge selling point for us this year was because we were the only time where these prospects were going to get face-to-face time um, in interviews and be seen on a field. Um, There was only one GM I talked to this entire fall, and I I think I've I've spoken to everyone in the league at this point, um, that actually went out to games this fall, you know, because they – they either went to a game on Saturday and then would have to sit out of the team's bubble for three days to re before they could re-enter. And most of the GMs like going to the games on Sunday and being with their teams. So of the guys I talked to, only one of them was out at college games. So the Senior Bowl was the only opportunity for the decision makers to see these guys with their own eyeballs and get in front of them and have face-to-face conversations. So it's been hugely impacted, but, but really it's just the access to the players um, and access to the, the people at the schools that, that really impacted the process.
0: You mentioned the higher level guys and going over the strategy stuff. One thing that feels like it's changed recently, and maybe this is how it's always been. It feels like the circle of decision makers has gotten smaller and smaller. Like I'll talk to scouts, Jim, and they'll be like, yeah, I have no idea what they're going to do. Yeah, you know, I just tell them about my guys and then they just kind of do it. Like, it feels like, and maybe it's different from team to team, But I've heard about teams having like separate draft boards, secret draft boards, only the owner and the head coach and the GM look at it. Like what's your understanding of the lengths that teams go to to keep their true intentions secretive?
1: Um, yeah, this is a sensitive subject for me. I, 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 if that's the direction it's going and I don't know if it is or not, you know, I haven't, I haven't talked to many guys on that level, but it it very well could be, but I've been kind of part of different situations like that. And what it does when you, when you kind of pull, pull in ranks and and tighten that circle, it, it eats away at the morale of a scouting staff. You know, like if you can't trust your guys that they're gonna stay tight lipped and not share information and let, let leaks get out, well then get rid of them and hire somebody else. Um, but I know, speaking from experience, you feel so much more connected when you feel a part of the entire process. I mean, we talked about it earlier. I mean, that's a hard occupation, man. I mean, people don't wanna hear that, but when you're, when you're away from your families, I don't care if you're a trucker or you're in the military, when you're away from your family that, as much as scouts are, that's a, that's a grind. And, and, you know, you put in all that sacrifice. When you get closer to the draft, you want to feel a part of it. Like, you put in all the work. Um, so when when teams do cut their guys out of it, it, it just, to me, it sends a really bad message. And, it, and, again, if you can't trust your guys, you've got the wrong guys. Um, I think the teams that do it best keep their staff connected all the way through because um, that's where guys want to work. I think those teams have, a, have an advantage getting a better scouting staff, putting a better – staff together because that stuff gets out around the league. I mean, guys know which teams are better to work for and which teams are, not uh, but you might be right. I mean, I've, I've heard that from a couple of teams like, Hey man, we're closing ranks at this point. I'm like, what are you talking about? Why are you closing ranks? Like, that's your, that's your group of guys. I mean, it's like, it's like 10 to 12 people. Like, how can you not trust those people? But um, yeah, there, there might be something to it, Ross. You might be on something. Jim, that, that,
0: what well, you said, that's a life lesson, right? Like, you need to include people in the process like that matters. And you're right. If you don't trust them, why do you even have them? It's such, it's such a good point by you. Um, A couple of other things I wanted to hit on, you know, when we hear about draft boards and draft boards for different teams, I think the thing that would surprise people is how different draft boards can be from team to team. I don't know how to phrase this question, Jim, but If you you looked at all 32 different draft boards, right, how much do you say do you think would be very similar and how much would be different? How much variation is there from team to team on their draft boards, do you think?
1: Yeah, they're kind of like snowflakes, I guess. They are different. Um, I mean, I don't think they're wildly different. I think that uh, at most positions, especially at the top, they're all talking about close to the same players. It's It's just where they have them stacked. And again, it goes back to organizational philosophy and what the head coach wants in players and what they want in people. Um, you know, I, I can speak from my experience in Seattle. Like, we wanted a bunch of alphas on our team. You know, you look at how they were built when they were winning Super Bowls. You had Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor and Doug Baldwin. I mean, you had some really big personalities on that on that team. And, and going back to my experience with the Patriots, some of the teams you were on, look at that defense with, like, Junior Seau and Teddy Bruschi and Mike Brable and Rodney Harrison um, there was some alphas on that team, too. But, but again, so back to your point. Yeah, the boards are all different. Um, I think when you get into the later rounds is where it really starts to vary. You know, probably rounds five through seven teams. Really, there's some teams that want to take shots on on height, weight, speed guys and guys with developmental traits and other guys just want to take a safe football player. They know even if he's just at minimum a career special teams guy. Let's just draft a player that's going to make our team and and get to the game on Sunday and maybe not try to hit that home run. Maybe just try to hit a single or double.
0: Are there some guys that you can think of, Jim, that the league is a lot higher on than the media? Because it's interesting. You see these guys like, you know, Davis, the linebacker from Kentucky, or other guys that seemingly come out of nowhere. I don't know how that happened. Supposedly he got a fourth or fifth round grade from the NFL or somebody, and now he might go in the first round. Are there guys that you know about that teams are generally higher than the maybe the draft gurus, the analysts, the guys that do the mock drafts realize?
1: Yeah, for sure. And that really more so like a couple months ago, um, it, was, it was really out of whack, you know, like around senior bowl time um january february and then stuff does start to leak out it does start to trickle out to the media you know who the league's really on so it's tightened up a little bit that's when in the media when you see it looks like guys are falling um it's really the media catching up to where the league has players so they're not uh you know it's that's the 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 interesting dynamic here in like march and april is you hear a lot about guys climbing and dropping they're really not in the NFL. That's where they've always been. They're really dropping and climbing um, in the, on the media side. So particular players for this year's draft and kind of peeking over the camera now at our, our board right now of, of where guys have players. Um, I mean, man, there, there is a handful. There is a real, I mean, I would say Lind Dickerson um, is a guy. I'm looking at the center position. Creed Humphrey. I haven't seen Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma in any mock first-round drafts. I mean, this guy's going to be a 10-year pro and Pro Bowl player. And, you know, and, and if you have a chance to get one of those, why wouldn't he go in the first round? Um, you know, um, just, just looking across this board, Trey Sermon at, Oklahoma, or at Ohio State, the running back, the, the, league's, the league's high on him. You don't see him in barely anything in the media. Um, so there's, there's a or a number of them. Divine Diablo, um, safety from Vatek. I don't think he's getting out of the first 40, 50 picks. You don't see him talked about a lot. So there's there's a number of guys, but again, it's it's probably tightened up in that area since January, February. Um, it's
0: interesting because I saw you tweet this morning about DeMar Hamlin and from Pitt and his cover skills. He was a really good corner in high school. That's what he played. And I don't know I don't know if he played corner his first couple of years at Pitt or not. I don't know what they did there. But that people I mean, I think people thought he'd be a corner. And I I'm just I'm sure you already knew that, but that's like, you know, I do all the Pennsylvania State High School Championship games, and he right. was a good high school corner, which obviously benefits him. How much? I guess that's the last question, Jim. How much research do these guys do into like the high school backgrounds? Right. So I'm I'm here in Harrisburg, Jim. You know, Michael Parsons never played a snap of linebacker in his life until he went to Penn State. He was Maybe the best high school edge rusher I've ever seen. It was crazy. But he's only been off the ball, Jim. You know, for you know, seeing things like that for two years. Like, I I just think he can be so much better when he actually can process things that quickly. I, I wonder, I'm curious how much work do they do on the high school side of things to really see how much left these how much these guys have left.
1: A, a lot. And what you just did, Ross, that's exactly how you would make your case in a draft room for a player. I mean, when you can go back to high school and talk about what he what he did. I mean, Devine Diablo, another guy. I mean, he played he he played like he was like a big wideout um, or H back type player for Tech his freshman year. He was only played defense for three years, so it really helps you build a case. Um, again, when you when you're talking about guys that uh, like maybe pro, like projection guys, you know, when you're talking about. Um, running backs, you know, do they have any full, do they play some fullback in high school that we haven't seen yet? Or, or if you've got a linebacker that maybe you want to, you know, kind of a, a down the line linebacker who's going to be nothing more than a backup as a linebacker, but you need a fullback. Say your team likes a fullback. We'll dig back into his high school background and maybe he was a great high school fullback and just being back there and even doing it at the high school level, there's some familiarity. He's done it. Um, he knows angles. He, he knows where to insert and, and how to strike. Um, from that side of the ball. So they do, they, they dig in big time. And that was always the first question that Pete Carroll asked any player when he came into the combine interviews in Indy was talk to me about your high school experience. You know, what, what other sports did you play? What positions did you play? Um, really to dig into that background of the athlete. And I think, and more to that point, Ross, I think teams are really digging into high school track stuff. Um, and so you can, and we do that at the Senior Bowl. We use the high school track stuff a bunch because we you know Phil Savage my predecessor gave me gave me a great um he gave me great uh, heads up before I took the job he's like Jim your draft is in no, late November not April like you got to figure those players out and so and so we've really dug into the high school speed speed stuff because we don't have the benefit of the combine when we when we invite these players to the senior bowl so they do back to your question they they really dig into the high school stuff pretty heavily
0: So the key now is to follow Jim on Twitter at Jim Nagy underscore SB. Follow the senior bowl at senior bowl. That way you can see the great tweets from Jim. He usually has video clips with it and you can see what he's up to. Jim, fantastic stuff. Really appreciate the time. Keep up the great work.
1: Yeah. Thanks Ross. This was fun. Thanks for having me on.
0: Love Jim Nagy. Love that guy was awesome in Washington. He was awesome in new England. He's still awesome now. You know what else is awesome? Myfrontpagestory.com. Mother's Day will be here before you know it. Most of you are loyal listeners. Most of you have heard me talk about it before. Most of you have not ordered a story from myfrontpagestory.com for your mom. Trust me, she'll love it. Being able to give her that framed picture that looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper and saying, Hey, Mom, I want to do something special for you. So I wrote a story about you. That's unbelievable. I had a story written about you? Incredible. And then when she actually reads it, she will cry happy tears. Trust me, fellas and ladies. Myfrontpagestory.com.
2: Good morning, Ross. Let's start with a couple of notable retirements. You alluded to them earlier in the show. First, Alex Smith, 16 years in the NFL. The other tight end, Jordan Reed, after nine seasons win San Francisco.
0: So, um, and that's after a nice season with the Niners, not nine seasons. Bry.
2: You're right. Sorry. My <laughs> For those
0: of you that aren't watching on YouTube, Bry just put his glasses on, his reading glasses on. When did they start to go on you, Bri? Uh,
2: about two years ago, but it's it's yeah i i need them on pretty much all the time how old are you 48 so when you were like 46 yeah 45 46 is when is when the uh i i really started using them all the time and you only notice it when you're reading right correct or staring at a screen like if i'm reading a book or a newspaper it's not as bad but if i'm staring at a screen for some reason it's it gets worse
0: okay that has hey this is what you got
2: to look forward to ross
0: I know, I know. Gosh, getting old stinks. Anyway, um, Alex Smith, 16 years. What he did last year, I will never forget uh, the rest of my life. Unbelievably impressive. I'm excited to see what he does next. I just don't think he was that interested in just being a backup. I, I, I just think he'd rather do something else with his life. So kudos to him. Sounds like he had some opportunities to sign places. Jordan Reed evidently got some type of scan of his brain and was advised to retire. So I guess I have mixed emotions about that, Bry. On the one hand, I am really happy that Jordan Reed, who's got a lot of concussions, got a scan of his brain and got that information and made what sounds like the smart decision to retire. On the other hand, it makes me sad that there was something on the scan that compelled him to retire.
2: Ducks takes. Speaking of the 49ers, former Niner Alden Smith, recently signed with the Seahawks, is wanted on charges of assault down in Louisiana.
0: It's weird because I guess he hasn't turned himself in yet. We probably would know about it. If he did, maybe they're making those arrangements. It also seems like he didn't tell the Seahawks about this before he got signed. Yikes. He's been a troubled young man throughout his time in the NFL. And, uh, you know, there are people like that that I think we all are rooting for and hope figured out. I don't know. I'd love, I'd be interested to hear the percentage of how many people, how many of those guys ever actually do. (laughs)
2: <laughs> On to the transaction front. The Bears resigned safety Tayshawn Gibson. Raiders, inked cornerback Rasul Douglas. And the Steelers signed head coach Mike Tomlin to a three-year extension that goes through 2024.
0: Gibson started every game for the Bears last year. It's interesting. Some of these guys that sign now, there just wasn't a lot of interest in their services. He probably got about the minimum Tayshawn Gibson even though he started every game for the Bears. Rasul Douglas, I thought he had a decent season for Carolina. Evidently, they didn't think he did. They didn't have much of an interest in bringing him back. Mike Mayock, very familiar with him from the Eagles preseason when Mike Mayock called the games before I did. So he obviously knows the good and bad of Rasul Douglas. Mike Tomlin deserves it. He's an outstanding coach. Obviously, everybody's already tweeted about the fact that, you know, the Steelers have only ever had three head coaches, which is just unbelievable, like in the last 60 years. But Tomlin's an excellent head coach. And the only other thing I'd mention is Daquan Jones signed a one year, $4 million deal. Oh, geez. And now I'm blanking with who he signed it with, Bry. Unbelievable. Now I got to look it up. That's embarrassing. I just saw Daquan Jones sign. Who was it? He signed with Carolina they needed a uh, they needed a run stuffing D tackle he actually got 4 million bucks i think fully guaranteed to be their, their run stuffing D tackle so he waited good for him to get almost you know to get 4 million dollars fully guaranteed as a run stuffing D tackle oh the Napri, some shout outs are in order pizza boy brewing sporta culture vision comics with an x HumanHeadNYC.com. They are all, I think we're done here. Patrons, patreon.com slash RT Media. Yesterday on the Even Money podcast, we went over the DraftKings $50,000 free to play pool. So even if you're in any of those states where you can't legally bet on DraftKings Sportsbook, you can do the free to play pool. You just answer 10 questions. Listen to the Even Money podcast yesterday. You'll enjoy that today. We are going over the rookie running backs, the draft prospect running backs on the Fantasy Feast podcast with Graham Barfield. He's got that awesome yards-created metric that I think you'll really enjoy. We'll have Greg Cosell talking draft DBs tomorrow on the Ross Tucker Football podcast. And Andrew Brandt today is going to go over the Super League. And I have to listen to that Or watch it on YouTube because I don't really know what's going on with the Super League. So make sure you listen or watch the Business of Sports podcast. Other than that, I think we're done here.
1: Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, Rostucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.